I have given you $550 of my own money for only one reason. Disliking you as intensely as I do, I wanted to be absolutely certain that when I looked back upon your financial downfall, I could absolve myself completely of any responsibility for it. And $550 is a relatively small price to pay for the knowledge that I've had nothing to do whatsoever with your financial downfall. You have brought yourself to penury entirely on your own. I don't suppose you'd care to give me an additional $6,000 and insure yourself against guilt permanently. You're perfect. Thank you very much, Mr. Baker. To stuff we've seen. This is your host James Kent, and with me, he's my donkey to my Kong. He's my John to my Punch. Teal, how's it going, buddy? Oh, uh, hey Jimmy, how you doing? Uh, oh wait, 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 what? Hey, hey, wait. This isn't. Te- you know what? It was Billy Muir all along. <laughs> I knew it. You've been. That's pre- right. You've been pretending <laughs> to be Teal. All these episodes. That's right. That's right. I decided Sneaky. I was gonna. I was gonna unmask myself. There you go. Pulling exactly. a Marvel twist. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Want to see what's in the basement? Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, hey. Hey. Look at it. what a surprise. Billy Muir is here, sitting in for uh, our friend Teal, um, who is. I guess we're gonna say he's convalescing at the moment. Right. Uh, you know, I guess we'll, when he gets back on the show, we can hear the whole story. But uh, I guess he, he took a bit of a tumble uh, down a set of stairs, um, which, you know, at our age happens. And, uh, you know, he's okay, but he's a little banged up, <laughs> let's just say. And uh, he wasn't able to make it on the show. But uh, I've got Billy Muir sitting in. And the That's big chair. Right. That's right. That's right. You got. I got a call from the coach. You know, I'm saying, uh, you know, get in the game. Pinch so, hit, here I am. Please come on <laughs> in, Billy. Exactly. It's been a while. I haven't talked to you in, in several months, and uh, you know, it's funny. No, no, no. Occasionally a text. That's about it. Well, I'm, but I'm text. talking about on air. On air, sir. I know. I know. Yeah. Um. You know, we because what happened? It's been even longer because uh, we had taped a bunch of episodes uh, when Teal was uh, taking himself like a, <laughs> he, was, he wasn't down the stairs that time, but he was taking a little bit he of was a- on vacation. Yeah, he was on a vacation. Uh, so we taped a bunch of episodes and then I would slot them in. So like while we taped them at one point, they may not have aired in order. So, uh, you know, like I said, the last time we had an episode with you, it was actually taped several weeks before. Well, actually, and then there was the time I was on with you and Teal. Oh, see, now I'm losing it. I don't even remember that. But yes, oh my God, that's right. 
Well, it's oh. been a busy fall and busy Ooh, winter. Oh, well, it's been a busy <laughs> year compacted into like, it felt like five years, right. <laughs> the pandemic. But uh, as we roll around in year two now, <laughs> here we go. It was funny. It was about this time last year, I was making like little funny jokes, you know, silkwood showers and whatnot. That's right. And still thinking, geez, I hope my 70 millimeter film festival is going to still be on at the end of May. And uh, <laughs> then, of course, I remember like uh, the, the Somerville Theater in- assured us, assured us that said, oh, don't worry. We're going to have all the same movies and we're going to be showing it next May. Well, <laughs> they're not open yet still. <laughs> I don't know if they're ever going to like, uh, oh, I don't even know if I'm going to get to see a movie on uh, projected on film ever again. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. In, in Queens at this point, they're doing uh, a couple of drive-in movies. Yeah, you know, which a lot of a lot of um, you know, you you were saying. I know both you and Teal were talking about the how um, some towns were doing it. Well, they're finally getting around to it now in Queens. You know that they're doing things like that in in parks. Do they find? I was gonna say like there's like an empty lot somewhere where they're like showing it against a building. <laughs> it, it, it is funny when you say parks. I think that. To people who don't live in Queens, New York, like me, you tend to think of it as just like one big city where there could be possibly no place to show a drive-in movie. No, no. I mean, there are, there are a lot of um, parks and spaces and, and whatnot, and vacant lots as well. Which you so. like to hang out in. No. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, okay, I was making a little uh, earlier, a little WandaVision joke there with you. Uh, Teal has not watched WandaVision, uh, so we haven't got a chance to talk about it on the show. And he, he likes to talk movies. I do too. But I know that uh, we, you know, we both have youngsters running around. and. Yes. Uh, I guess to keep ourselves entertained during the winter months, uh, Disney Plus was offering this WandaVision, and it, it seemed like an interesting concept where they was maybe doing something of a throwback to 50s, 60s TV. So we watched it, uh, and it was something yep. that we would watch once a week when it came out on Fridays. It, it, absolutely, and I have to tell you that when I first saw the ads for it uh, on Disney Plus, I was like, yeah, who cares? Right. I really was not particularly interested. Same and- <laughs> One of my daughters and one of my sons, um, they they were like, ah, let's just put it on, give it a try. And I was like, fine, whatever, okay. And I thought it was fantastic. At at, at first. At first. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, at, I, I got to tell you, at first I, I was like, wow, this is really, when, when it starts out as kind of um, I Love Lucy, the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. The first episode. I, I was like, wow, this is this is like really kind of interesting. And I was thinking, how are they going to sustain this? Yeah. You know, because it felt like a once off, you know, <laughs> right. like it, it was kind of like, oh, it's it's sort of like a goof. And and I was like, wow, this, you know, OK, they're, they're doing kind of a goof. And they did it so well, like it almost looked like it was shot with those type of cameras and stuff. And mm-hmm. and and so um, I was like, wow, how are they going to do this? And then. The next week, you know, there's that shift to where it becomes bewitched, I guess. Yeah. And it's um, a little, <laughs> you know, just slightly different. And you're like, okay, I can see they're kind of developing at this. And then really, once it starts to kind of, you starting to get the sense that, okay, they're changing it. It's sort of moving forward in time, in television time. Right. It it, um, it goes into the 60s, it becomes color, and then into the... Uh, the seventy, it, I I was like, wow, this this is really, you know, interesting how they're they're doing this. Your thoughts about it at that point? Um, well, you know, I was enjoying the way that they were doing the techniques 
to the way that those shows were back then. The the commercials, the opening set, the opening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then I was pretty quickly going, oh, I see. They themselves are getting tired of this concept and can't wait to finish <laughs> it up, you see. Um, and of course, they didn't do like a Partridge family. I like to see the... <laughs> I'd like to see Wanda and Vision <laughs> around in a multicolored bus with a Reuben Kincaid <laughs> and a bunch of obnoxious kids pretending to do instruments when it's really- I did more of the Brady Bunch, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, and then, of course, then they had these kids, right? I, I hate, hate, hate. It's one of my, my least favorite things in any of these sitcoms, the little child actor. You, you've made you've made a point of this in general, how you don't like kid actors. Well, yeah. no, it's not- uh, <laughs> not quite. It's not that. It's it's in these sitcoms because you have it's, – it's almost like they've trained a dog and you almost see <laughs> off camera someone waving. And there was like this joke because when I really started to hate that was in Family Ties when they had that little boy and the mm. actor's name was Brian Bonsall. Right. So I've kind of had this nickname thing where I've called uh, whenever you see a kid actor looking off stage and then kind of uttering whatever they want him, I call it bonseling. <laughs> and I go, look at that bonsel, get a cookie. Here it is. Look up here, bonsel, get a cookie. There you go. Very good bonsel. Um, so I call it bonseling. And there's a lot of bonseling going on with those kid actors in the one division. <laughs> But you have to admit the meta quality of it kind of makes it work. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know I, because um, Elizabeth Olsen's uh, sisters were the twins right. on the full house, which was a show that luckily I was old enough not to have to watch. But, but also even, even, even the performances in general, you know, very much out of a, a TV show of the time. And that's, I thought Elizabeth know, Olsen did a really good job. Um, yeah. Me too. And Paul Bettany as well. And Paul Bettany, I thought as well. Yeah, he does see, and it's funny because both his character vision feels like a fish out of water, and also the actor Paul Bettany looks like I don't know exactly what the hell's going on. This is not something I'm familiar with, quite honestly. But okay, sure, this is what you did in America. You watched crap like this. All right, we had Benny Hill. Oh dear. Um. So. Yeah. So so anyway, so you you liked oh, it. it when it became a Marvel show, I would watch these like the funny Wanda stuff and then the the Marvel stuff, I was like, "Oh, yeah, a few years ago they had that Agents of Shield show." Right. Which I watched I, never watched a, it. I watched a few episodes of it and it felt like, "Oh, yeah, this feels like one of those networky shows." Okay. You see, I never <laughs> watched that, but I what I liked about it was how you had all of these also ran Marvel characters, um, <laughs> the the kind of lesser characters yes. thrown in together, and I, I I thought I thought they used them all fairly well. I mean, I I actually wasn't uh, disliking that as much. I thought that it, it worked pretty well to kind of integrate that into the show, and I liked how they took the time to kind of build up to it. You know, because I had no idea where this was going. It's true. I uh, that that is true. Is I really didn't know where it was going, so that was interesting. I did like um, the girl from Thor comes back, the one that Cat Dennings yep. that she's one of the Denning. two broke girls, and uh, she actually gets to say funnier jokes than she ever got to say in that crappy <laughs> show. And you know, so I kind of like some of that. But the the main baddie, I guess we'll call him. Right. You knew the first second you saw him on screen that he wasn't going to be a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. that bought, I don't know. It bought, like I said, that stuff just felt a little wooden. However, okay. So the thing that really, I guess, tied it together 
for me was uh, all I just say is that uh, Catherine Hahn is a delight. She's fantastic. Been watching her for years, and her performance elevates the show into something that's really watchable. Listen, I got to say, I like the series overall. I think maybe a little bit more than you. Part of it was, I, I have to say, the experience of watching it with my kids was great. They were into it. Uh, and I'm talking about, I was watching it with one kid who was 19 and another kid who was 12. And, you know, they were um, really enjoying it. And um, the other thing that was great about it was that it was short. Oh, that's what I love. I love that it's like, you know, at best it was 40 minutes, right? Yeah. Some of them got and a little bit longer. They keep growing in time, but yeah. But I, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. I, um, you know, uh, I, I thought that um, uh, it, it developed really well. I'm interested to see where it's going. I like the fact that, as I said, it was it was not particularly long. I like how they took their time building up uh, the the Marvel you know world into it out of the television shows and everything. Um, I I really did enjoy it. And what's made me enjoy it and appreciate it all the more mm -hmm. is the fact that I've started watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter <laughs> Soldier. Disney Plus has roped you into Marvel series. And now they're going to see if you'll watch more, which I have not watched because I really, you know, Falcon, Winter Soldier. I mean, well, when we talk listen. about second tier <laughs> characters. Well, I, well listen, I got to tell you, I, I think I'm actually more of a fan of the Marvel films than you are. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> the well, way that you and Teal, you and Teal have spent, you know, over a hundred episodes. Pause for a second, because I have a question that I want to ask you. And I think this is fascinating because you said something that might be keys to the store here. You right. said you had a 19 year old that watched this show with you, right? Yeah. yeah. And you have like, a, you have like a thousand kids. I do. <laughs> you do. You literally have 1,000 kids. They're going to make a, one of those sitcoms with you. Um, <laughs> and- you're so you have a different experience than me in that you have kids that grew up with the Marvel movies 100%. And I got to tell you, that is that's a very different experience. And I'm fascinated by this because I was just talking to my wife about this the other day, saying, I wonder what it was like if you had kids that grew up with these movies and the, the catharsis of like that last Marvel Super Avenger movie, which meant nothing to me, but like maybe it meant something for the kids that were like eight or nine when the first one came out. I went to go see it with my kids opening weekend. Okay. Which like is something that I would usually never do. Yeah, and and of course we went to the the crap five dollar theater. Oh, uh, you know, to go see it. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that would be like me if I really wanted to see it opening weekend. Uh, not now. I mean, everything's closed, and I don't know if the theater in my town's ever going to open again. But like, if I really wanted to see something opening weekend, and I didn't want to travel, I would have to go to the crap theater in my town. But you know, better than nothing. We we wanted to see it because it was really jammed. But the thing is, we have this, there's this one theater on Main Street in Queens. It's in a very Orthodox Jewish community. It's not near a subway. So to go there on a Saturday morning, it's a really crappy theater, but it's $5 a head. Doesn't matter. So I take like my thousands of kids to a movie and there's nobody there. Because literally there's nobody there because it's an Orthodox Jewish community. And so everybody for Shabbos. the Sabbath, yeah, for Shabbos, they're, they're not coming out. And it's not near a subway. So, like, nobody's traveling to come to this this theater. I don't roll and on Shabbos! <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's five bucks. Toilets don't work. You know, there's like somebody <laughs> threw somebody somebody threw an RC on the screen in like 1984 <laughs> yeah. and hasn't like been. <laughs> That's like my theory. They literally there are stains that like depending on the movie, like a light light moment, you're just getting this big like stain on the. But it does. But I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter. I love it, be, and because for that reason, because it's five bucks all in, and like you know, I, I went to go see it there. But yeah, just to come back to this, uh, the Marvel movies i really did watch with my kids and i thought you know i i if we're going to talk a little bit later i i probably would want to bring up uh the dc universe just briefly you know if you want to well, talk about well, that why, later. Do we, why do we need to talk about it later we can talk about it now <laughs> well okay but i mean but i mean the thing is that i think that um marvel i really enjoyed a lot of the movies in a way that i think you didn't and part of also why i enjoyed it was like hey i'm actually getting to see it's no longer i'm, I'm having to see um racing stripes you know or like some awful kids movie you know it's like hey this is sort of a little bit adult and kind of like you know because oh, you some of the dialogue years having to see just the kid movies. yes like yes that. exactly and so i was actually enjoying it and it was great fun and a lot of the stuff i really did enjoy and certain things you were talking about i think actually i quite enjoy captain america winter soldier i think that's actually a really well done movie that movie that was the first one that the uh the duo there yeah, the the Gallo brothers or whatever. Gallo brothers. I don't know. They're, they're, they're brothers, right? I don't brothers. think the Gallo brothers. The oh, that's good. You know, see how well prepared we are for the show. But that was their first foray, and I was like, oh, this is elevated. I thought that was a fantastic action movie. Yeah, I thought it was really great. Matter of fact, <laughs> that was the first one that I took my son to to see. He was probably a little bit too young, and we saw an IMAX and. I remember during like this big action chase scene. You're talking about the one with Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think that's really well done. And it was, but it was intense. And uh, I don't even remember what year it was, but my son was probably you know a little bit too young that he should be seeing that. And I look over it because I was worried. I'm like, oh boy. And I, I, you know, I said, are you okay? Is this okay? He's like, I love it. <laughs> 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 so you know and he's the one that nowadays you know now now as an almost 13 year old he like you know right. he, one of his favorite movies is hateful eight i'm like all right i've done something right <laughs> this kid's like you know he's like more of a film aficionado <laughs> right so that's the, the that thing one is, i think I is one of, of the, i think is one of the best marvel movies i and i think that's the reason why they gave these guys a show and i gotta tell you something so far the show is not really it, it's too it's too long it basically every episode so far is like about 50 minutes or so and it feels a little too long plus and also let's face it they keep trying to make wyatt russell a thing but he's never going to be a thing and i just don't really like well, him. you know what but but i gotta tell you he's actually pretty good in it because he's he's uh a putz <laughs> and he's and he's not really supposed to be likable why do we think that this is another marvel twist coming probably <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i would say but and and in this last episode it's just like he's so the whole thing about wyatt russell in it is that he's um the new captain america brand new and everyone's like what who, who are you like whatever <laughs> like you know they treat him like uh like he's a chump that's that's kind of funny it could also be like a great marketing is that they're using this as a test drive saying 
are we in trouble that we got rid of all of the old Marvel characters and we didn't want to like pay them each $50 million per movie right. <laughs> because nobody's going to accept. And I, I mean, who knows? This is a really interesting time. We're stuck in a pandemic. We can't like, it would have been very fascinating if they had a whole slate of first tier Marvel movies ready to go. And then the pandemic happened and they, what, what are they going to do with it? I mean, what are they going to do with them? Black Widow is one of those where it looks like Disney's going to do their whole, Hey, you like Black Widow? We've been waiting to show it to you in the theater. How about if we make you pay $30 to watch it at home for a couple of months before we <laughs> offer it to you for free as long as you subscribe? Yeah, is that interesting to you? Hmm. Yeah, we did we did we did that with um uh Mulan with one of my my daughters and Oh, you uh, actually paid my $30 youngest. for that? No, actually actually no we didn't. We waited until it became free. Yeah, That's I mean, you know, yeah, if yeah, I have yeah, waited yeah, yeah. that long, <laughs> I'm going to wait longer. And 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 the thing is I'm I felt really good about the fact that we waited because I couldn't even sit through 10 minutes of the thing it was such a piece of crap oh yeah well that's what i just uh i just sat through a piece of crap i sat through uh was it, i can't remember is it godzilla versus kong or kong versus godzilla which one was it <laughs> i i <laughs> does it matter i don't know i never understand who the verse is like are we supposed to root for the first person or the second one i don't know in the versus con- <laughs> conundrum <laughs> Like Billy versus Jimmy. Am I rooting for Jimmy or am I rooting for Billy? I don't know. I'd be I'd difference. be rooting for Billy. I'd be rooting for okay. Billy. Okay. Yes. But you know, so I, I just watched that last night. You know, and the and whole I, family I, watched. What that. Jimmy? Jimmy? What a coincidence! I happened to watch it yesterday. You, oh, you did in the daytime. Oh, I did in the daytime. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I had some time to kill, and you know, apparently it was you know uh, people were saying hey this this is on you should see it my son wanted to watch it so um we watched it and wow it was so awesome right (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know what it was like somebody was off screen waving a cookie at uh, At godzilla Godzilla and say little bonsal (laughs) it was i i mean you don't even know where to start with a movie like that it was just You know, they, the, the biggest problem they have had with this entire series is that nobody seems to really appreciate the monsters and know what to do with them. Here's the thing. I, I saw a little bit of um, Kong Skull Island, the Vietnam War one. I like that. I saw that in the theater. I, th- I actually liked that, too. I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. And, my, and so my son was watching that, like, the other day. And so he was like, hey, let's watch Kong versus Godzilla. And... I mean, wow, what a bag of crap that movie is. Well, you didn't see, did you see the last one a couple of years ago, Godzilla, King of the Monsters? No. Okay. No. This is a, a, a direct sequel to that. Okay. And that was terrible and it was set up terrible. And this just continued the bag of crappiness. Can't speak to the movie from before, but this was just, I mean, everyone in it, it should be ashamed of themselves. I mean, really terrible. I, I, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's just not worth it, but you could spend a lot of time just talking about how fantastically bad it is because, it, you know, I think that the, the thought is, is that, well, oh, well, all the monster movies, right, back the the the, the Tokyo ones, well, they were all bad, right? And they were silly. But no, but the thing is, is that aside from the, the silly effects that those movies had, the stories were really good. And they're usually an ecological message. And I, I know they like vaguely I loved watching them when I was a kid. When yeah, I was a kid, I, too. I loved watching all that's of them. That's why I, and, and, I invested time to watch it now, because I like them. Yeah, but but this is, this is, I mean, the thing that is so hilarious is that just, 
Um, first of all, yeah, the CGI effects, which were, um, you know, you would think with all this technology, it'd be great. I, I just, everything about it seemed fake. The idea of the CGI, it's not that the CGI is necessarily bad um, or obvious. I mean, it is obvious. I mean, you know, you're not watching real creatures. Right. But obviously. When you watch those other silly movies, right, where they're like, you know, had guys in suits. Rubber suits. Yeah. But they were still, and Teal and I always talk about this, right, is that they were, there was like a texture to them. They were like real things. So on screen, yeah, there might've been a guy in a suit, but it was still something that was actually crushing real things. And here, you know, we were all like, how many, how many hundreds of thousands of people just die when you're just smashing into the buildings like this? It was just annoying. Like it may, it really takes you out of the movie. None of it looks real. It looks like a cartoon. And the thing I wanted to mention in the CGI is that I'm waiting for the next evolution of cgi you'd think that after like 20 plus years we'd finally start to see things that looked real and i don't think we're there yet still you know having king kong swirling around in the center of the earth isn't going to look real there's going to be a fantastic well, where's that light it was so well lit that center of the okay earth. I, I all right that's i that's a whole other thing i, I gotta get on to in one second i know you'd want to spend is there another moon it, down there well, okay, so I I get the feeling because I the, I was waiting for Brendan Fraser to pop up. Well, Jimmy, <laughs> I honestly think that's where they're going with this is the fact that like I I didn't you you were talking about this whole thing this monster verse and you're apparently much more versed in this the whole <laughs> idea that they want to do right what what's what's the whole monster verse give me your take on it. Um, well, I mean, you haven't, so did you see the 2014 Godzilla? No, nor the mummy, nor any of this stuff that they're talking about trying to like. Well, I don't know about anything about that, that, that mummy stuff, but let's say the 2014 Godzilla, uh, yeah. I thought was pretty good. It actually took a lot of time so that when you finally got to all the mayhem, like it did a really well, well set up story. And then King Kong's part of that world. And they try to kind of bring the two together with the, um, the Skull Island movie. And then the Godzilla King of the Monsters continues that. It's an actual sequel, um, but now it's like tying in the story a little bit more to what we got now. Um, So there's that theory that all of these like, you know, monsters came from this, uh, I guess the center of the earth world. The thing is in the 19th century, you know, there were tons of like, artists who always like they were obsessed with like the pole like the north and the south pole because there were people there was a whole theory that's in the book or rather in the the movie the idea that like you can find the center of the earth from the north and south pole maybe and well, that's what you the can Verne book you, oh you can't <laughs> <laughs> sorry is not real? And, what? No, apparently oh. not. But um, but in the Jules Verne apparently has in you know the journey to the center of the earth that there's like there is light down there. There's like a, a sun or something, and I think I and so I think so I think what they're gonna do is so I think what they're gonna try to do is they're gonna try to like tie that in somehow to this nonsense would be my guess. Uh, yeah. Well, if, if, if there's a market to even spend money to make another one of these movies, but it, it's a big miss though, is if in that next sequel, Nick Cage isn't in the movie because he needs to be in the movie, right? He's got to be the wacky scientist guy that they dig out and bring. And you, I mean, that's just like you, it's a slam dunk, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. Bring the duck with them as well. And if you remember that, uh, the movie with uh, James Mason and Pat Boone. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Bill. That's right. And Herbert Lum as well. Oh, Herbert Lum. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're going all over the place. Wait, so are we going? To, are we going to talk about the Justice League, which I did mention in the last program? You did. That I you did, did watch the the Justice League Snyder Cut, um, <laughs> which now anytime I see a, a film and I see a, it a longer version of it, I'm just calling it the Snyder Cut, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I um, I saw I saw the film. I uh, I think I didn't like it as much as you did. Which, which let's, let's, when we say the word like here, let's phrase that in a way that makes sense. I understand. I understand. <laughs> like Go. is a strong word. All right. So, so I mean, I liked the it things- a lot more than the original Justice League, which was you terrible. See, uh, all right. So, so the, the background of this is that I texted you while I was watching it and yes. I was like, oh my God, this is a bag of shit. And I, I said that, um, it looks like it shot like, and I was referring to the Aquaman stuff. It looks like a commercial for like a high-end scotch. <laughs> I'm not sure it wasn't. <laughs> Arthur Curry scotch. Arthur Curry. Is that in his name? I don't. I... You know, there is, there is, uh, they do have like Game of Thrones uh, scotch and stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they do have promotional Denarius. Stuff like that. <laughs> Whiskey. But, um, uh, and and you were you kind of pushed back on because I was like, man, this is terrible. I hate everything about it. I hate like every time Wonder Woman like brushes her teeth or like you know uh, <laughs> takes out the trash. There's that like score oh, of like you know bum, 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 and bum. like of like no of like you know some uh, like you yeah, know, I woman, know yeah I, yeah the chorus which that, I like, actually kind of liked a little bit in a Conan <laughs> the Barbarian way, mm-hmm. um, but I guess a little bit goes a long way. Um, I actually uh, yeah. thought of, I, I thought of your hatred of it when I watched. Uh, afterwards, I decided I got to go back now and watch the Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman. I don't know who we're supposed to root against. Um, the Snyder Cut. I watched the three-hour version, which was a whole half hour longer than the original. So that means I've spent seven hours with these people. Oh, in, in Snyder World. I know. You, you actually, I think you could qualify for, you could qualify for a disability. Well, <laughs> then I got this message from Teal in the middle of all this, and he said, have you seen Snyder Cut Justice is Gray? And I'm like, I thought he was making one of his jokes. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, you know, the black and white version it just dropped. I'm like, no, what? No, there's no no black and white. Yes, there is. There's a black and white version on HBO Max, and it's called Justice is Gray. And I did uh, check out the first. I've watched the first hour. I've invested eight hours of my life in, in the second tier DC world because to me, the DC stuff is just not anywhere near as good as the Marvel stuff. It sounds like a crossover with the lighthouse you could have, the black and white, if Willem Dafoe <laughs> showing up at the lighthouse. <laughs> There's that scene, and he does, he's like, Hi, Arthur, <laughs> Arthur Curry, hey, be a wiki man. Take up, take up your mother's filthy triadent. <laughs> We're going to spend four hours in the Schneider Cut. <laughs> You've seen the lighthouse, by the way? I have. Oh, my God, the movie's insane. <laughs> It really is insane. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I, like well, I remember yeah. when finally yeah. I came on, and my wife. I saw the theater, but when when it came on, you know, uh, demand or cable, or whatever. Uh, my wife and I watched it, and when it was, she's like, "You didn't tell me it was this nuts." She likes <laughs> nuts, and I'm like, "Oh yeah." She's like, "This is insane." <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I remember you guys reviewing that and The Witch, which, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed both of those. Anya Taylor-Joy. You started watching the black and white one, but, but I, I, which I will see. But look, I, I just thought it was, it was way more watchable than the original one. And I'll tell you in the sense that I never watched Justice League. Um, oh, you didn't? It came on. I, it, the original one, I remember it came on. And I remember thinking, this is like the worst piece of crap I've ever seen. I can't even, like, I can't with a straight face watch it. And I think you actually, I, I think that you did a really good analysis last week in terms of how you, you spoke about how they haven't done a good job in the DC universe of really tying together all of these kinds of disparate stories the way that they did in Marvel. And you you were talking about how Batman tends to deal with like bank robbers and sort of maybe somebody blowing something up, but they're they're rooted a little bit more in um I don't know if you want to say reality, uh, but I mean they're they're just it's it's on a different scale. And tying it together, they it, it just it doesn't feel like it the, the seams show. It doesn't work I like particularly well in tying them together. Well, I mean, unfortunately, they went on a road with uh, good old Zack Snyder, and he built this trilogy. Right, he had a vision. So from the first movie to the second film, which again I I just went back and watched, and I, and and it instantly realized what all my problems were with it the first time, and, right. and some of it was it starts out with it, it thankfully was mercifully short, but that whole flashback sequence of Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed and all that stuff, and it's like, guess what? Everybody knows that. You don't need to show it. You can talk about but it every, later. But everybody, every, I think every director wants to put their spin yeah, on it. Yeah, they got to stop it. You got to fucking stop that. <laughs> stop putting your fucking spin on it. You Nobody needs that. Um, but then the longer version does really like, it helps play out stuff much better. But what happened was the producers, like the, the, the money, the studio producers, right. um, they were already, like if you're going to pay for a Zack Snyder vision, well, then let him do his vision, but they were already making him compromise. So they had him scale back a lot of the sort of weird visual, like, you know, that toned down palette look that he always creates and kind of like right. grainy and stuff. They wanted less of that. So uh, Batman versus Superman has less of that. It's also like, uh, you know, widescreen 235. And then right. you get to see his version of Justice League where he would never have been able to even have done it that way if he had kind of finished it, you know, and didn't leave the project. But right. because he got to, he got to like have it look the way he would have his movies look. And I feel like the reason why I like this four hour cut was at least it was the most complete vision of what he wanted to do with these movies that he never got to do in any of them until now. And this, at least I said, well, you know, this is interesting. I kind of find right. this interesting. I don't necessarily give a crap about mother boxes or any of that other stuff. No, and, I, and in know. that sense, it's it's way too. You made a, a point last week. I would almost kind of push back a little bit on you were talking about the comics and stuff. And I I, I am definitely not a a comic book nerd, but I've I've read a good chunk of um of them, and I have to say the amount of material that DC has and that they didn't put to use. Mm. in this is is really like criminal you know i mean and i and i i mean this in the sense that you know they they have i i think there's almost like a, a case of like 
corporate malpractice in terms of for, for their their shareholders in the sense that they they have all of this like actually some really good material really good writers who who've managed in the comic books to tie it together and they just seem to like forget it in a way and i'm talking about like mark miller you know uh even grant morrison like these are comic book writers and um some of their stuff is is really really like well done and um i just think that uh they the the fact that you know the the way that they just put it together it doesn't click it just feels they just expect that we're gonna go along for the ride and kind of you know oh sure they're all gonna come together because that's just sort of what the situation demands and it just doesn't feel well yeah it was i mean unfortunately it was all very rushed because they felt like they were playing catch up to uh, Marvel. And, you know, now, of course, where does any of this go? I mean, I personally, yeah, the Zack Snyder thing was a little bit better. But then when you see his envisioned conclusion where that half hour goes, where, you know, it's funny. And Martian Manhunter shows up. So I go back and watch this Batman versus Superman, right? And the, the long cut. And I don't know, I can't remember enough to, I know there was a couple of scenes I was like, oh, I know I definitely didn't see this before. However, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Martian Manhunter is in at least the extended cut of Batman versus Superman. He's not revealed right. as Martian Manhunter. However, he's got a much more interesting role. And I'm like, oh, now that I've just watched both films, I see how it ties in. And I didn't really understand it while just watching the Snyder cut. Plus, Batman also has a vision of an apocalyptic future in the Batman versus Superman, at least the extended cut, that helps tie in and actually make a lot more sense of the visions he has in Justice League. Right. But when I see what Snyder wants to do for a future thing, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I ever want to watch that movie. I hope they don't make it. <laughs> it, it, it looked like uh, Suicide Squad. Kind well, which, of. by the way, can we talk about that? Okay, I hated that that other Suicide Squad thing, but I can't wait to watch that James Gunn version. <laughs> it looks awesome. I haven't seen. Well, oh, you got to uh, watch the trailer for it. It looks it looks hilarious. It looks like an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but you see, stay with me on this journey, Billy. Come on. Well, but I mean, but it obviously though, you see how though we're immediately now comparing it to well, because James Marvel Gunn, stuff. but James Gunn did the right. Guardian, so they like, well, let's get a guy who actually had the guts to do an attitude film, and that was to me the first film of the Marvel that like went and did something that felt like it was a little bit daring. Now, it, right. it, unfortunately, the sequel kind of sucked, but <laughs> at least James Gunn's first one, you know. Was fantastic. Yeah, I really had a fun time with that one. Yeah. I kind of had a fun time with that one. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> Billy? I like that one. Uh, I don't know. Do we have anything more that we want to say on these superhero things? Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, don't think too no. hard. This is We're talking no. about superhero movies. No, Ouch. no. <laughs> The fan violence that's going to happen from the fanboys because I oh, dare. Yeah. on the sh- because we what because we grabbed on some. Stuff. I'm just kidding. I know I do not hear any negatives. I only hear positives actually from the people right. They're like, good. Someone else agrees with me. <laughs> I actually I told you I'm looking forward to the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman. I think that's, I, how, I'm, I'm I watched the early trailer of it. I'm like, they still don't get it. You know what I would do with the Batman? What I would set it in like the 30s or the 40s. And 
kind of make it a gritty, cool, like maybe black and white with some color splashed in there, like cool noir and have him be like a real crime fighting guy and have these like, you know, characters like Penguin and Joker be almost like these gangster names and stuff. I, I don't know. I just, I would be doing it a little differently. Right. Instead of uh, Robert Pattinson looking like the kid who craps in the shower in The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Pattinson. As you know, I'm a, I do. I know. I, know. I like him too. Guys, we do. So <laughs> we'll, we'll watch it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, just, gonna... I'm just talking about the, I'm just talking about the aesthetic. They seem to be. Going I just for. hope I get to see it in the theater. I'm kind of annoyed. Like, like I don't mind now because I can't go to a theater that HBO Max is doing this, but it is going to be a hard thing if theaters do reopen and, you know, they're showing, say, The Suicide Squad in August, and I could go see it at my crappy theater, or I could go see it uh, in my big screen TV at home. I'm going to stay home. I mean, I might see it in IMAX and stuff, but am I going to take the trip to go see it in IMAX and stuff? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, for I mean, you to go see it in IMAX in New York City, it's got to be like, what, $30 a ticket or something? Yeah, it's, have, uh, have you ever done that? Years ago, when my, my oldest son was young. I did. Because, I mean, that's the that's the thing is, you know, right? So you're a New York guy. And the one thing about New York City is it always had the most expensive ticket prices anywhere. And no matter why, what why do you think Why do you think I made such a big deal about going to the $5 theater? Yeah. No, I know. You were like, <laughs> five, Jimmy, $5. Now we're not talking 15 We're not talking 20 It was like when we went and saw Once Upon a Time in uh, Hollywood, yeah. that theater, the Village East- it was like $20 a ticket. I was almost had a heart attack. I'm like, $20? Are you freaking kidding me? $20. I'm taking $20 out of my pocket. I'm, I mean, I'm not buying for two that, people and one. It's like, a, I know, like a tank of gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's insane. What would you do? You fill up. I filled up and watched the movie for two and a half hours. Uh, no wonder they make the movie so long. At least you feel like you get it worth it. I mentioned this is that you don't get to go to the big theaters anymore. And in New York, they don't really, do they even have a big theater anymore? You know, we used to go, I'm going to take you back in the time machine, Billy. Get into the time machine with me. Come on. Get in yeah. there. Here, here's your little cookie, Bonsall. Get is, in. Is this, is this part of the MonsterVerse? Yeah, we're going to go to the MonsterVerse. <laughs> I'm going to take you back. Because way back in the early 90s, when the single theater was still there in, in New York City, we would occasionally go to the great Ziegfeld Theater. That's right. In uh, Midtown. So this is a, a story. I always like a, when you're on, we got to do a, a story. That's got to be a segment, right? We got to do a story from our past. <laughs> uh, I, we weren't, I don't, were we weren't living together yet, were we? I don't or, think so. Or that, because it was, it maybe. We were, we were just hanging out. We were just hanging out. Yeah, it was out at the maybe. end of, the, like it was in December. And uh, this thing that studios do is they will green light movies for the specific and sole purpose to try to get Oscar nominations. And that's where the Oscar bait uh, film comes into play. And one of these uh, star vehicles for Bette Midler was yes. uh, for the boys. And it was very, very loosely based on um, – who was that? She, she was some kind of actress, but she was also a performer. She was like in the um, bugaloo. Martha, Martha Ray. Martha Ray, yeah. Very loosely based on her story. And uh, so – you know, you would think, well, I actually kind of wanted to stay away. The, 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 the reviews were pretty bad. But you said we should go up and see it because it's at the Ziegfeld and it was playing 70 minutes. It was at the Ziegfeld and the guy who directed it. Yeah, well, right. I believe so it was directed was a- by Mark by Mark Rydell, who directed The Cowboys, which I liked, um, the John Wayne movie. He also is in The Long Goodbye. Yes. It's the gangster who smashes uh, 
his girlfriend in the face with the Coke bottle. Yes, yes. But this is such a weird thing is that because it was a Mark Rydell, if a Mark Rydell movie... <laughs> was going to grace the screen. You were like, we got to go see it. And I thought that was so fascinating that out of all the directors, it's Mark Rydell. Mark Rydell. He also directed on Golden Pond, right? I think, yeah, he did. And he also, I think, did he do The Rose also? I think that's he did, the he did, Midler. He did, he and did she, Rose, so that yes. was her one Oscar nomination. Right. So right. I guess they were hoping that lightning would strike twice. Well, she did get a nomination, though, for, for The Boys, which is crazy because it's terrible. Do you know Mark Rydell is still alive? He's okay. 92. Okay. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I um, I, I just, uh, I had liked the movie when I was younger, The Cowboys, the John Wayne movie. That uh, I know. I remember it's one of the few movies he's killed in. Sorry, spoiler alert. But that's Bruce right. Bruce Dern yeah. kills him. Bruce Dern kills him. Yeah, Bruce and, Dern. And, and everyone was saying, like, it's going to be terrible for Bruce Dern's career. But, 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 Billy, in 2006, I know you were busy, but did you go to the theater to see Mark Rydell's Even Money with Kim Basinger and Forrest Whitaker and Nick Cannon and Kelsey Grammer? Uh, no. Are, are you reading off of IMDb? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not. I am, and I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying, you you know. No, I, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy, I think, you know, 1991 <laughs> or, 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 or whatever. Or what about 1994's intersection with Richard Gere and, and Sharon Stone and Lolita Davidovich and Martin Landau? Uh, I, I have seen that. <laughs> and then, of course, before that, 1991's For the Boys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's... Uh, um, we, we went to go see it. Yeah, I remember making a big deal about it being Mark Rydell. It was a wintry night, and we yes. went up there, uh, and we there was not a lot of people in that theater. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the nights where I, I was just thinking to myself, man, how does this place stay open when they get a dog? That's where, we, I guess this is where we go full circle, and it was like, wow, you know, with the rents, right? You get a movie like that, they have to play it for two or three weeks. See, I remember, see, I remember like when Saving Private Ryan was playing there, and I mean that place was packed. Oh, you know, I can the imagine. Seinfeld, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm talking around the clock. You know, and and people used to. You know, now you saw that. Were, you saw Saving Private Ryan there at the Ziegfeld. Oh, yeah. Oh, that must have been amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember there's a guy I knew at NYU who um, somehow knew somebody who was a projectionist there, and he would actually let people in off hours and show like a reel of stuff um, that he saved. And one of them was he would show the the ride of the Valkyrie scene from Apocalypse oh. Now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. But um, you know, and uh, but yeah, I got to see Saving, and it was uh, you know obviously phenomenal seeing it at the Ziegfeld. Okay, so you know we've we've, we've chatted for a little bit. Um, one film I've completed now seeing all the films that were nominated for Best Picture, and I completed Bravo. seeing all the films that were nominated for Best Director. The one that was the surprise nomination was this uh, Thomas Vinterberg film, Another Round, and I it's on Hulu, so I was able to catch it. And I believe you also got to see it, right? I did. I did. I watched the whole thing. And uh, unlike a lot of the films that got nominated this year that you watch and I'm a little disappointed, like I saw this Father movie and we won't get into that, but I I, I, I like the Father, but when I think of it in terms of getting nominated for Oscars, uh, I, I had a lot of issues with it and it really wasn't my favorite. But for me, Another Round was one of those movies where obviously a lot of critics liked it, expectations high. This movie met my expectations and I thought this 
this was one of the best films that I saw this past year, even though I just saw it. Absolutely. I haven't seen uh, a lot of movies this year, but um, this is uh, towards the top. First of all, um, it's the only other film I've seen of Vinterberg besides Festin, uh, The Celebration. Right. Uh, so obviously it's, in, you know, and that's the whole dogma 95 yeah. uh, aesthetic. And this, you know, is is similar, you know, in some ways and yet not. I think it's it's a great film. I think, you know, there are parts of it that really speak to me. Um, as because, a teacher? Uh, yeah, as a teacher and somebody who knows something about alcohol. <laughs> and, oh, oh. <laughs> well, well uh, Irish I mean, so, roots? Well, uh, dude, I got to tell you right now. Go to go to a party with a bunch of teachers, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I've uh, I've been in sort of the very odd situation where I've I've gone out and had drinks with like people who taught me in high school, mm. and it's like when you see people, you know, uh, like teachers are notoriously uh, big drinkers. And uh, they really, you know, kind of go on a tear. It's a great way to kind of release, you know, um, stress. And uh, that, you know, I think really kind of comes through in the movie in ways that are, you can see, you know, it talks about kind of the positive qualities of, of drinking and kind of in social interaction as a way of kind of easing, you know, people kind of becoming themselves, but also, you know, how incredibly destructive it can be, which it would be insanely irresponsible if they didn't. Right. Um, so I, I really, really, really in, enjoy the movie. I like the whole premise of, you know, hey, we're going to do this like it's a science experiment. It, basically, the whole thing is um, a bunch of teachers kind of, you know, stuck in, you know, midlife. And, you know, they're kind of still in, you know, they're all in second gear. They, uh you know, do this experiment where they're going to start drinking because, you know, a, um, you know, somebody had read where a doctor said that um, we actually need alcohol to become more of, to reveal who we <laughs> yeah. are. And so, you know, in some ways there are these positive benefits and then these tragic benefits, there are these tragic, you know, consequences. Uh, it really, really interesting. And I gotta say Mads Mikkelsen, I think gives a fan really terrific performance. I actually, uh, you, I, I think, you know, I know that I, I think he probably could have been nominated. I, I thought it was, the, I thought for me, he gave the best actor performance of the year and that he, you know, I think of some of the other nominees and they just aren't, no, they don't do what he does. And I know he does have, except for at the end, right. Where he has a very awesome showy part. Uh, yes. he, he has to just do, I mean, this guy is constantly thinking in this movie and yes. you, what he does with his eyes and his expressions, yep. total fascinating work. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I loved what he did. I, I got to say is that what I only really know him as like vi a villain. Right. To see him as a not, I almost expected that he was a villain in this movie <laughs> just because <laughs> that's who he is. He's always a villain, right? And and the thing that, but what's so great is that the way he brings that like Bond supervillain weight to middle age. Like, you know? Right. Because that's right. Because he was the bad guy in Casino Royale, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so he, but he brings, but instead of it being like, he's sitting there like, you know, miserable, like plot the world and wanting to destroy it it's just you know he's a middle-aged guy kind of stuck in a rut and has like the weight of you know, 
existence on him. And that I just thought was like fantastic, like and, and a brilliant bit of casting. You yeah, know? Well, and, and you know, it's interesting is that the movie, um, it, it, it evolved. And I don't know if you know the backstory on this. Um, I don't, I know nothing but, about it, but I think that it's interesting. Um, and I, and I don't want, you know, it's not a spoiler. I just, it, it, it may make you even think of the film differently. Uh, mm-hmm. and I only knew some of these details before seeing the movie. And then I learned a lot more. So, uh, the, the director, Thomas Vinterberg, he was encouraged. It's a, based on a play that his friend wrote and he was encouraged to turn it into a film from his daughter and his daughter, the school she went to, which they filmed in. And a lot of the students, like her, her friends are in the movie. And it, he was fascinated. And the reason that they wrote this like play was based on this culture that these kids in Denmark have this drinking culture and those games they play. Right. And his daughter's supposed to be in the movie playing his daughter. In the film, uh, uh, okay. Mad Mickelson's daughter. So instead, he has two but sons. But he has two sons, right? Right. Well, four days into filming of the movie, before she filmed her scene, she was killed in a car crash. Oh my god! And so for a week, his buddy, who wrote the screenplay with him, took over to direct for a week while he mourned. And now he had to come back and soldier through and part of this was like a therapeutic for him but the film's tone and some of the things changed in the movie to be a little bit more life affirming especially with the end and try to celebrate life and so a lot of the things that happen i think you look at it differently and like there's like a there's like tragic elements in the film and i think some of that was drawn on the fact that he had this tragedy happen in his real life and then there's that celebration of life overall at the end. And I have to say, it was fantastic. I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think the ending is sort of where it, it almost becomes expressionistic. It's not like, yeah. you know, it's very, very rooted in realism. And then, you know, this it's a dance at the end. It's like a Bollywood ending almost. Uh, you know, what? I didn't think of that, but that's really well put. And it's... Um, Thanks, Billy. It, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop it. Listen, listen, stop it, will you? Stop it. Stop it. But the ending is fantastic. And, you know, it, it, I, the thing I was going to say, it almost reminded me of, was something on that's on Criterion called Beau Travai, which I don't know, the Claire Denis film? No, I've never seen it. It's a, it's a version of, of Billy Budd. And at the end, there's a character who... Um, uh, you know, is not a particularly whatever, who's a pretty dour, inexpressive character throughout the movie. And then at the end does a dance mm. that's, you know, anyway, just reminded me of that, but it's, I, anyway, I, I loved uh, another round. I really have to thank you. I probably wouldn't have watched it, you know, without like um, you mentioning it. And so I have to say thank you. Yeah, I, I highly recommend another round to people. Give it a chance. It takes a couple of minutes to kind of kick in and get going. But boy, uh, it's just, a, it's a very fascinating, I mean, it's it's very original, I think. Even though there's like obviously yes. some plot conventions and things, I think the concept is a very original. It was very enjoyable. And when Mad Mickelson finally starts loosening up with his class, it does. There's new energy, just like his character had no energy before. 
Right. His students suddenly are like, they're woken up and you as the audience are woken up. And there's a scene where they're all in the guy's apartment and he puts on, uh, he's like an audio file and he puts on that record and they're all dancing. Yep. And it's just like, there's some, there's an energy in that movie that is just, uh, that's why I think the direction is so good is that you just, yes. I, I, it's hard to explain, but I, I, my wife and I really enjoyed that film. It does what I think Foreign films and independent films always were really meant to do in the sense of kind of telling stories in a, in a different way with a different energy, a different point of view than what you would expect than if like this had received the Hollywood treatment. So, so you you just mentioned Criterion, and I think as a good ending note on the show, it's sort of like a preview, right? Because usually I'm talking about these things and I'm like several weeks in to it. But uh, Criterion, it's April, new month, and they have some new series going on. And I think there's one that I am going to be diving into. Uh, and uh, courtesy of you, I already dove into one. Uh, so the great composer, Ennio Morricone, and I think, I think Teal and I are interested in maybe doing a whole theme show on this. Uh, Criterion, in their wisdom, has put together uh, like a bucket of films. I feel like like it's like fifteen to twenty movies uh, right. from from the Ennio Morricone collection of scores that he did, and most of them are Italian um, or like spaghetti, uh, meaning that they feature a lot of American actors and it's dubbed and all that stuff. Um, and then right. there's some other films that are in there too. Uh, but it's a really great chance to watch a collection of movies that maybe you wouldn't otherwise watch, but you're watching them with the specific purpose of also enjoying the Morricone scores. And I, it looks great. And uh, so, you know, I've got a whole bunch that I quickly added to my watch list and – I'm kind of curious because I know a lot of Morricone scores and I have this like double album of his. So it's always fun to like, cause they're all like, you know, these Italian names, unless it's like the good, the bad and the ugly. I don't always know which movie it <laughs> matches up with. Uh, so it's fun to watch one of these films and then hear the score and go, Oh, so that's the one that I always hear. Okay. I know the movie now. And right, one of those, those the well, one of those just happened in that uh, I watched this film that you had been telling me to watch forever for over a year. Right. Over but a, I like, ignore, yeah, well, whenever years. it's on Amazon prime, it's easy to like forget. Cause it's hard to find things on there. Uh, right. But then it was on criterion as well. So, I watched this film called Machine Gun McCain. Yes, not Megan, but Machine not Gun Ma McCain. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and the first funny thing is, is that, it, of course, because it's one of these Italian films that got a couple of American actors and then they market it in America as Machine Gun McCain. A couple? <laughs> well, okay. It has a few. But the funny thing is, is that it the, the first thing to know is it hardly has anything to do with machine guns. <laughs> True. <laughs> Very rarely. Like I like if like it would probably have been the last title I would have ever thought. But it does feature a score from Ennio Morricone that's very early. Well, it's '69 the movie came out, and it's right. it's on my album that I have that the the, the theme. Oh, uh, so you knew it? I you did. I was like, oh yeah, I love this thing. Very very hard to win. But it, so so tell who's it sell who tell okay. who's it. Well, it's funny. It's the early it's early posse of actors. You got uh, Peter Falk, and you have John mm -hmm. Cassavetes, and a mm -hmm. special uh, like one or two scene appearance from Jenna Rollins. 
And right. then you have uh, international celebrity Britt Elkin. <laughs> <laughs> she's a she's not a good actress <laughs> but uh, then again no. i don't know if i ever heard her like not dubbed now she uses her own voice here but it's still dubbed obviously they dubbed right. it because it's italian right, right. Uh, i i by the way i love a good john cassavetti's brit eckland uh like movie you, you did that did. well okay so i'm curious first of all because i because you might what was it about this particular film that you find so fascinating that you're like jimmy gotta watch this movie i'm just curious because and it may be the same things that i found interesting about it because first of all the cast like having these people together but not in something that cassavetes was doing and not in something that's like a genre piece that's sort of what's interesting about it um this screenplay was written by israel uh, horowitz who's uh ad rock's dad well time out <laughs> no he didn't write the screenplay. He wrote whatever he wrote the they, dialogue. He wrote the dialogue for whatever they turned it into the American version. So I right. don't know what the story right, right, would have right. been in Italian, but <laughs> okay, fine. So I mean, I found that fascinating. It's just look in terms of the plot, and also it's shot in kind of California and Las Vegas. I think it's been a while since I've seen it, but it just basically it seemed to. Uh, I liked the music. I liked, obviously, the feel, the vibe of the whole thing. The the story, eh, who really cares? You know, it, it's um, just sort of, um, it's it's a genre piece uh, with um, gangsters. But it's just really interesting to see Falk, Cassavetes, and Jenna Rollins, you know, uh, in this. And Pritelkin. <laughs> in this very, uh, you know, strange genre piece. It's Was just, Britt it's Elkin a very the one that McCain, uh, that, uh, McCain, uh, that uh, Michael Caine puts in the trunk in Get Carter? No, 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 no. She, that's, she's the one who um, he, like, has her masturbate when he's, like, talking to her on the phone. Right, okay. And, or, yeah, and right, she's right. also, yeah, and um, she also is, um, she's in The Man with the Golden Gun, you know, as well. And uh, she's Agent Goodnight in that. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> and you, you know. Save it. We're not going to talk that one. So, wait, so, um, okay. So, interesting on that. That was the thing that struck me, is that it's this Italian production. And right. For all intents and purposes, the majority of in- interior shots are all on sound stages. Sound stages in Italy, yeah. And then the exteriors, and there's quite a lot of them, are shot right. on location in Vegas and in Northern California and in Los Angeles, and they're right. shot in this almost fetishized way that Antonioni did with Zabriskie Point, where they call it the high tourist, where you have this outsider's look and va- fascination with like American signage. Right. And the fascinating thing is all of these really cool time capsule history pieces of Las Vegas, the way that the strip used to look like. A hundred percent. And it's just kind of cool. And then, of course, the thing that always gets me with these movies is that they're, you know, again, they're, they're every other actor is Italian and <laughs> they don't look like American. Like, you know what I mean? No. Like, like, like uh, Italians no. look a little different. So all of these people just don't quite look like they're from America. And then, I don't know who the what house they hire to do the dubbing, but these it must have been the same five like actors and actresses that would do all the voices, and they just don't sound like anywhere near what the character would really sound like. 
Yes. And it's very, it's kind of distracting more so than others. Some of them are, you know, it, but at least the American actors, I don't think they ever recorded anything live. No, well, they, they really didn't. I mean, all this stuff, they would go back and do it years. I mean, not they do it like, you know, usually like about a year later or something. It's like they'd get everyone together, like in a soundstage or like in a, even a theater, like in New York or LA, depending upon where everyone was. And they do it like all in one they go. Were like, they were at least mouthing like real lines. So right. their voices usually matched up. And of course, it helps because you know what the voice of that actor is, and that helps kind of buy the the you know it it, it makes the magic happen. Whereas these yeah, other it, do, people, it doesn't. It, you get thrown out of it. But I mean, I listen. Johnny is trying to knock over the <laughs> casino. <laughs> but for me, we can't we can't allow him to do that. <laughs> listen, the, for the very first time I came on the show, I told you like I'm a big fan of like the Charles Bronson movies that he made in France in the late 60s right. and early 70s. So like for me, it's part of the charm of these movies is knowing that that's like the deal. I, do, do you well, know I, I mean? like the big head, head gangster guy in it because he is, except for in one scene where he shows his like true hand is, but he's actually always Mr. Friendly and Mr. Charming and he doesn't seem like he could possibly be threatening. And right. I think that's kind of a, a fascinating thing. It was also edited. I, I'd like to see the unedited, like, like two hour version of the movie because clearly at the end things get choppy you never really know what happens with peter fox character in the movie he just kind of doesn't he doesn't he get does he get machine gunned or something i don't think so i i'm trying to remember i, I seem to remember i thought maybe he you did. saw the he longer got, version he got, i think i did maybe on i think peter fox gets either like run down or machine gunned or something i forget what it is but he um he 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 eats it well that happens to cassavetes at the end Cassavetes at the end, but like maybe about like three quarters of the way through, Falk buys it. No, no, it wasn't even three. I mean, th- then you saw a longer version of it than I did. I'm telling you, because like okay. all of a sudden, it's like the movie is like you know you get it, you kind of have that build up climax with the big casino heist, and then it's like 20 minutes really condensed at the end <laughs> with like you know with like a five minute scene with Jenna Rollins. Well, yeah, when he shows up to see her and stuff. But I see, I actually, I thought that scene was, um, again, just fascinating to watch. And I, I, I really, my expectations were very low because I saw it on Prime. And basically, you know, the reason I was hyping it to you is that, like, you know, very early on in, in the show, you guys were, like, you know, talking about, like, a lot of, like, Amazon Prime yeah, It was probably around things. then, right, right. When it's like, here, you could check out this other one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And, of course, another uh, Morricone film that I'm anxious to get back to and watch is a s- Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. And that had been taken off a of Criterion, and it's back now. And it, and it kept my place. It, it actually knows where I was. So I'm oh, going to wow. watch the rest of that. Uh, and I got a whole bunch. Like I said, I'm going to watch this other thing that I've been wanting, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which I actually own the soundtrack for because it's such a good score. But I had never seen the movie. Um, so there's a lot more coming on that. You should you should also see Kemata if you haven't seen it, Burn, the Marlon Brando uh, by Gilo Pontecorvo. Oh, okay. Is that good? Because I saw that it's on there. It's on. Um, is it good? Um, <laughs> is it good, Jimmy? Let me tell you. Is it, is, I don't know. <laughs> well, I How mean, look, define good. I actually kind of enjoy it quite a bit, but it's um, all the all the problems that you just talked about with Italian production because it's in English are much more obvious. 
you know, like it's just badly dubbed, you'll see. But but at the same time, I think it's really well done and, you know, gives you like uh, kind of an insight to um, just imperialism and colonialism in a way that um, only Pontecorvo could do. And and Brando is, you know, it's kind of Brando's weird period between um, late 60s before The Godfather, you know, when he was kind of adrift. And then, right, and then right after The Godfather, where he became adrift again. <laughs> <laughs> He was basically adrift, except for that one movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and one could argue that it's the only time he well, pulled it all together. Superman, you know, there you go. Yes, where he got to pick up like a $7 million check for five minutes. <laughs> so Yeah, and that was one of the things was that they figured out uh, that it would cost them X amount of dollars to have him in the sequel, even though they shot all these scenes, so they had to cut those scenes out. Right. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, hey, look at man. We covered a whole bunch of things. It was kind yes, of a crazy did. hodgepodgey episode. Um, but you know, you're filling in at the last minute. I mean, this is really pretty last minute. So I really appreciate you. Uh, hey, listen, time. Jimmy, Jimmy, I appreciate you having me on anytime. Like I said, I was like, uh, you know, being on to shoot the show. I, I could go on talking, Jimmy. <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> it's a, it was funny. This could be our new, this could be a new show, like our Saturday morning program. We get up early and we do this program because it is. <laughs> This is probably the earliest I've ever taped an episode of Stuff We've Seen. But uh, people people of Earth, uh, unless there's people not of Earth listening, and that could happen. I don't know. Um, this is Stuff We've Seen. Uh, StuffWe'seen.com. That's the place you can get all of the episodes or uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I think we get picked up on other places. So wherever you listen to podcast um, we're probably there so you know hit the subscribe button you're gonna get all those episodes and we got tons of past we got over 100 episodes people right you know the only one i know who's heard them all besides myself is bill from queens he's heard all the episodes he's a big fan more than once yep um a special shout out to uh a couple of listeners who were uh, always uh letting us know what's going on uh one would be uh John Ford, but not the legendary filmmaker. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, what was the movie? I just saw a film where uh, John Ford was a character. Uh, Wings of Eagles? No. Oh, 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 oh that's right. Uh, uh, we should have talked about this. Last weekend, my son and I watched on HBO Max Midway. Oh, okay. And is he a character in it? He's a character. They got a guy playing John Ford because he was there in Midway. He right? made he made he made the movie. Yeah, he made yeah. a documentary. He just yeah, happened yeah, to be at the right Midway. place at the right time. <laughs> and they had like told him to go and to be like a, they had a good hunch that the action was going to be here. Uh, so well, because they knew because they they had the Japanese codes. And yeah, stuff, right? and they yeah, covered. Yeah. You ever see that? You ever see that movie Midway? The the new one, the the Emmerich. <laughs> masterpiece uh you know i i really i tend to avoid uh i know i did too because of the emmerich stamp and i gotta tell you i was like it was like a last saturday morning or sunday morning and i was like eh, i'm just gonna throw this on and my uh oldest came by he came down with the dog walk and he walked by and he, he could sniff a war movie he's like <laughs> what's going on here next thing you know he's just sitting down next to me we watched the whole thing and it was like, and and it, it was way way better than i wanted to admit see because wasn't wasn't teal like teeing up on that movie he for didn't a long see time, midway waiting. no i know but he was bagging on it you probably i, I was probably yeah, too yeah, 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 but yeah, i, yeah, I yeah. gotta tell you it was better it was more enjoyable than greyhound or whatever that was called 
<laughs> with the Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah this yeah. was like oh. actually, but you know what? Because I wasn't expecting. I thought it was like they're going to plop us in. They're going to just like do the midway battle, and it's going to be a whole bunch of fakery and whatever. But it actually it goes back further, and it covers Pearl Harbor and a, a bunch of other stuff. It, it, I, I found it fascinating. I thought it was enjoyable. I'm I'm gonna check it out then because I I finally saw Dunkirk because HBO Max has put and I really enjoyed Dunkirk. Oh a lot. man, yeah, Dunkirk. That was probably seeing it uh, on widescreen, like full uh, screen said, IMAX it's, it's one on of the film, best experience. It was so insane. Um, I saw it again in 70 millimeter and it actually looked tiny compared to like seeing it in IMAX. But uh, yeah, yeah, I like that movie. So uh, it was the one time that uh, Nolan didn't do it wrong. Did it for you. <laughs> But anyways, well, it's very fu- yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go. Oh, what, what? No, go ahead. You, you, no, no, we, Jimmy, we could go on. No, no, come please, on, I'm put not. it up, buddy. <laughs> Just to go. Good old pal. Yeah, where we go way back, people. If you if you're like, who's this crazy Billy Murray character? Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. We we, we we have a long history, but uh, you know, please keep listening. Uh, keep telling your friends. Keep telling your friend Bill down the street there that Joe is that what it was? Joey, Joe, yeah, Joey. yeah. Don't worry. I think Joey's spreading the word slowly. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, and uh, you know, hopefully you're getting. Everybody's getting shot. You've got your shots, right, Billy? I got both. I got both too. We got we were well shot up, but nowhere to go. <laughs> I've got, I guess I can travel. I don't know where I go traveling. There's no place to, to really go and do anything. Everything's close, but uh, I could travel if I wanted to. I guess. Right. You know, my kids can't. They're they're still stuck. I'll leave them at home and I'll go traveling with my wife. Well, time enough. Time to be, you know, it's looking like uh, fairly soon. And what about your wife? Does she get does she get a shot or she doesn't qualify? She got she no, she got shot. She's got both shots. Oh, she does too. Um, Great. Yeah, she's got both shots. What about you have some uh, older kids too? Do any kids qualify? Yes, yes. Yeah, so, but they don't uh, have that. No, 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 no. Uh they have. They have <laughs> Look yeah. at you over that's there, Billy Mirror and Queens. Yeah, what can I tell you? Wow. Well, that's great. Yeah. Now you're walking around licking licking lampposts now? <laughs> 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 I've, I've actually i've actually a couple of times um stepped out of the house and forgotten like oh mask damn like I, because it just because psychologically you know it's the best so please get vaccinated yeah i mean you know look i mean i guess it, at some point when there when when enough people have been vaccinated and they say you don't have to wear a mask anymore you know at some point when it looks like too weird to wear a mask i won't oh yeah, I, no, no 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 jimmy i like if i forget a mask i immediately i immediately turn around and go get yeah, it. it's like a nice comfort i kind of like having the mask i don't want people to see me <laughs> they don't need to see me <laughs> then you see me under a mask you know, <laughs> well, it's it's great for um, you know. I gotta say, I gotta work on like maintaining my facial composure because I really feel that the great thing about the mask is that you you know <laughs> I'm able to make kind of contemptuous faces and not like people like notice. <laughs> right, it, so it's good. Right. Uh, all right. Well, hey, uh, Billy. Uh, you know, hey, now that we know that this Saturday morning slot's available, who knows what what when we'll be talking again? But maybe we will talk soon. And again, I don't know. Maybe you know, hopefully Teal will be back soon. But I don't know. Maybe he could be all busted up. Uh, and maybe I'll be calling upon you to to come back onto the mic uh, sooner than you'd like. Well, I look, I hope he's okay. And I, I, um, as much as I love this, I love, uh, even more listening to you guys. So looking forward. I, I think that's, uh, it's yeah, very nice yeah. of you, Billy, I, but, but, it, but it's great. This is good to, to have you on. And we, we, and of course it's a much different thing we got going on. It's more of a yuck fest <laughs> than anything else. And I, so I appreciate that. And so any new listeners are like, this is just weird, man. I don't know if I like this version <laughs> of stuff we see. It's just too weird. Well, tough. Yeah. Well, you're, at least you're not doing your Massachusetts. Massachusetts accent heading into like car talk territory. There you go. 
Massachusetts. I, once in a while, my, my wife will make fun of me for something I say that she just like, what did you just say? <laughs> like when I say drawer or something, I don't say it right or something. I don't know. You say draw? Draw or drawer. No, I don't know what I do, but I know it's like how you had a grandma that like, couldn't say pizza correctly. <laughs> oh, you know, it's like, do you have the Long Island pizza? You guys want some pizza? <laughs> and soda. And soda? <laughs> All right, there, buddy. Uh, right. You stay safe. Everybody, go watch stuff on. Uh, you know, you got the you got the Schneider uh, Justice's uh, Dark Gray or whatever it is. You gotta go watch that. All right, take care, Jimmy. Bye. Bye. <laughs>